space with me and Nelson hosting together. Uh, even though one says host and one says co-host, it's both host. Um, it's yes, going to be a really good discussion because, Nelson, you've been covering the vaccine discussions and debates nonstop. Um, so it's, it's a pleasure to do this one with you. And uh, let's see how, uh, how, how it goes. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Man, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited. You know, there is a, a good list of doctors on both sides that uh, will be sharing this space today. I see Dr. Danish. Welcome, sir. Dr. Anise. Dr. Lee is on the way. I mean, Mario, what do you think is going to happen today? Bro, I'm going to see you dominate the room and, and make it entertaining. And, and I'm going to see us disagree on a few things since we're, there's two hosts now. It gives me the opportunity <laughs> to kind of play devil's advocate at times and not always be tiptoeing around things. So let's see how it goes. And we're going to have Dr. Lee potentially joining with Dr. Eugene. If that happens, we're going to have more fireworks. But the <laughs> the, the goal for the audience is, is really to – there's a lot of concerns out there. And I want to try in this one to kind of make it useful for the audience while everyone joins. I want to kind of go through those concerns one by one. And I've got my team listening, including I've got a medical team that helps me with all our biohacking and stuff. The manager there is listening to this space and she'll be like kind of summarizing questions in the comments, bottom right corner and, and questions being mentioned by the audience about their main concerns. Um, I just want to know the concerns so we can go through them one by one and try to explain them in a non-technical way as much as possible. Um, well, like Nelson, I'd kick it off with you while waiting for the audience and the panel to join. Like, person on a personal level, like, what's your main concern with vaccine, if any? And I know you have concerns. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like most people who have concerns, I mean, it, so I mean, man, how do I word this? <laughs> Honestly, the concerns about the heart issues—that's a big one for me, right? And, you know, being on Twitter, you know, we've come across a lot of individuals, you know, now that Elon's opened everything up, you know, coming up here to say, hey, this happened to me. This happened. I mean, somebody was in a room yesterday. Their son died. And I mean, he he lost it on stage. He was I mean, if 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 this wasn't a social audio thing, he would have attacked that doctor yesterday. I, I really do believe so. You know, so, I mean, my main concern is in regards to, you know, the the heart issues. It's in regards to the censorship that we faced over the past two years. Because I'm just hearing, I'm really just well, hearing about a lot of this stuff. And I, honestly, man, I'm I, I'm in the middle. And uh, that's why I look forward to these discussions. But I see Dr. Anish, you have your hand up. Definitely look forward to what you have to say. Dr. Bernard, welcome to the room. Dr. Anish, I mean, let's talk about it. Yeah, no, thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite. Um, I, no, I, I think um, your concerns are uh, uh, they're definitely valid concerns about um, the, the heart. Um, you know, the initial signals um, just just to kind of get people on the same page in terms of the facts that we know, right? That's the uh, that's the title: facts versus BS. So the facts that we know that are not in dispute anymore about the about the uh, specifically the mRNA vaccines and the heart are that. In April of 2021, remember the vaccines, mRNA vaccines started getting rolled out around December of 2020 to December, January of 2020, January 2021 to to everyone. The these were the mRNA vaccines in the U.S., Moderna and Pfizer, and um, and you know a lot of people took the vaccines at that time because the trials suggested that they were effective and there was a you know a safety profile that was pretty darn good when you looked at the trials. Now the trials are multiple trials. 
The trials consisted of tens of thousands of patients. The issue is, of course, you're now rolling out these vaccines to millions and millions of people based on randomized controlled trials of tens of thousands of patients. Um, that's not normally what happens in most drug development trials in the sense that you rarely, except for vaccines, which you give to, which, you know, which are supposed to be given to almost everyone. I mean, at least these vaccines are supposed to be given to almost everyone. You normally, you know, you're trialing a drug which has a, you know, maybe will have, a, a, you know, a hundred thousand people, right? That you're try, you're like going to give this out to, or maybe with something that's more common like statins. Uh, that that is is a much more common thing, uh, but generally speaking, you know, it's very rare to go, you know, to start trying to give a drug to tens and you know hundreds of millions of people based on you know based on uh, trials that are tens of thousands, right? And that's partly why we there's a specific surveillance network uh, that's in place um, in the U.S. and in, and in other parts of the world that look for uh, safety signals after you um, after the rollout happens, right? So this is the post-marketing safety surveillance that happens for all drugs and devices. Um, Can you hear me? Absolutely. Is, is Doctor Anish dropping out? Can someone tell me? Is it me? Oh yeah, he is. He oh he was. He's oh good oh, good good. Okay. okay cool cool. So you're 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 are you back? Dr. Yeah yeah. Anish? Can you hear me now? Yeah, so so do you mind if I, I kick it off with one question? Is that okay, Dr. Yeah, sure. Anish? I've just got one question to kick it off. So I'm going to read out from the Reuters article. Uh, uh, the headline is US FDA CDCC early signal of possible Pfizer bivalent. Bivalent? Is that, am I sp- pronouncing it correctly? Bivalent, yeah. Bivalent? Bivalent. Bivalent COVID shot link to stroke. And before continuing, um, I'm going to read out a quote here by the health authorities. Although the totality of the data currently suggests that it is very unlikely that the signal in VSD, which is vaccine, uh, vaccine safety data link, represents a true clinical risk, we believe it is important to share this information with the public. So maybe kicking it off with that news is something Nelson covered in his space yesterday. So maybe we can start discussing that. Maybe Dr. Anish can go first and then Bernard, um, Dr. Dr. Ashby, you could, you could kind of counter that. How concerning is that report and how common or uncommon is it when vaccines are rolled well, out? Yeah, I mean, no, it's common. It's common for there to be some signals of harm and uh, or sorry, it's common. It's not uncommon that there are signals of harm um, in, in the space. And then for that, for then for an investigation to happen to see, is that signal real or not? That's the stage you're at right now with the stroke signal. We don't know if it's real. Um, there's, you know, there's a, there's a slight uptick that's been seen, but we don't know if it's just ran, random or not. I'm sorry I was rambling a little bit, but on the on the heart stuff, if I can just finish, I'll just make a quick point on the heart stuff. Yeah, on the heart do. stuff, which again I'm a cardiologist, um, that and we and I was we were of course there's cardiologists who are particularly focused on that. That that post marketing surveillance system, the, the VARS, VARS um, and the VSD, which are the two databases that, that are used for vaccine surveillance in terms of adverse events, and these are just these are just reports that are made. The VSD is made through hospitals. VARS can be made by anyone. A uh, somebody that feels that they've been injured by the vaccine, a patient, or by uh, physicians uh, that feel that their patients have been injured, right? Those are the ways to make those signals, and um, it, you know, and that's where the reporting was happening for the U.S. I'll just say that the concerning thing uh, is that in April of 2021, um, there were two things that happened in Israel. There was a, uh, a researcher um, in Hadassah, the major U.S. Uh, Israeli hospital that noticed that there were many cases of vaccine myocarditis that were occurring. 
And then he did a study and looking at the uh, at how uh, 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 these myocarditis cases were clustering. And what he noticed was that there were far more cases of myocarditis after the second dose of the mRNA vaccine, right? If you thought that this is myocarditis is something that happens randomly, you know, and this, and you're just noticing that it's happening after the vaccine, but it's not causally related, right? Meaning, how do you know if you get a vaccine, if you have a heart attack the next day, were you bound to have the heart attack regardless of whether you got the vaccine or not? How do you figure that out? Well, when you have an mRNA vaccine that you're giving twice, right, over the course of four weeks, right? Just quick, Doctor, any, any show, your mic is too okay, close to your so mouth, so it's a bit... Can bit, you hear me like, now? So if, yeah. if, if it happens... Yes. So if, if, if you have, if you notice adverse events clustering more so after the second dose of the mRNA vaccine than the first, then you can, then you understand that, um, you know, there's, there's a likely causal link. Mivorak noted that. He did a study <laughs> between January, basically between January and April. He made public comments to say that, hey, I'm worried about this. This is clustering. This is happening in young men, My, specifically myocarditis inflammation of the heart muscle. All right. And, uh, and he, he put that out. At the same time, the Department of Defense in the U.S. was, was tracking 14 cases of myocarditis that they had seen. Again, mostly in young men. This is in April of 2021. At that point, the CDC was asked, you know, uh, what, what is going on? What are you seeing? R- Rochelle Walensky, the current CDC director, said, we, do, we, have exa- we have examined our data and we do not see a causal link. And it's not till, well, months, months, and months, months go by that the CDC finally admits to there being a myocarditis um, uh, link with the vaccines. So I think, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have, I think a lot of people have some serious questions about whether or not the United States, with its massive CDC budget, <laughs> is able to really, uh, is trustworthy and able to, you know, find signals and and uh, and then investigate them and then come up with uh, something that's, um, you know, that, that that's appropriate. I hope, I hope this, I hope this, the, the, I mean, so I'm actually encouraged that they saw something and they're reporting it, and I hope they investigate it and they figure it out. So, so let's start with this study, um, and yeah. maybe you can go get a response yeah. on this particular study, Nelson. Um, like this one, I'm going to call it. What, what's the study called? What can we call the study, Anish? Well, I mean, it's kind of focus I mean, on point by point. This particular thing is it's a, not study a study per se. They're just reports through the VSD no. network, and 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 those these reports oh, okay. through the VSD network, which is a hospital. There's there's like I forget 14, 15, or there's some certain selected hospitals and health systems that are able to report that that you know they are tracking uh, adverse events after getting a vaccine and so it may be that that uh, there's a certain threshold that's hit in terms of coding of an adverse event after a vaccine has been received again the problem is is that all you can establish there is correlation okay so there's a higher uptick in this after vaccine is given we don't we, we then have to figure out how rare it is is it is it correlation or is it pure correlation or is there something causal going on and that's the investigation that has, has to happen now. That investigation has to happen by examining the individual cases. So some investigators to go through the each chart of the adverse event to sort out whether or not they can fig- establish a causal link. So uh, I wanted to jump in on this stroke study specifically and what Anish was referring to and give you guys a little well, bit. Uh, well, I, I was up next. So, so oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, let's see. talk about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dr. Bernard, so, we'll go to you, and then we'll go to Dr. Danis, man. Let's talk about it. All right, I appreciate that. So what, what Dr. Coca uh, brought up, all the points that he made were, were actually 
absolutely correct. Uh, he pointed out certain things that are not part of the public discourse, including the, the discourse uh, among the folks in this room in terms of being against the mRNA vaccines. And so he pointed out some some salient points that we, we all need to address in terms of the uh, dubious nature of the CDC and some of the things that were pretty clear up front that they didn't report, deny, uh, or minimize. And mRNA vaccine link myocarditis was one of those. So just to be clear, uh, this study uh, that or well, not the study, I should say, this link that was flagged uh, in the VDS uh, database by the FDA and reported on Friday, you know, which is you know rather convenient, right? You know, you know drop, drop it on Friday when everybody's going home. You know how that goes in the media, but uh, but they they did flag this, and so this is this is a different mechanism than myocarditis. So myocarditis and perimyocarditis is inflammation of the myocarditis specifically is inflammation of the heart muscle, myocardium, myocarditis. Itis means inflammation, all right? Uh, and pericarditis is inflammation of the tissue around the heart. So just to be clear, now, strokes are typically caused uh, by a number of factors, but when we talk about strokes, normally we, we mean ischemic strokes, which is a blockage of the arteries, and the mechanism is related to either a plaque breaking off in the arteries, uh, supplying the brain and clogging a smaller artery, or it's a, an occlusion or blockage of the coronary arteries, which are the arteries that supply the heart. Now, in this particular study, what they found was that there was an increase in strokes in individuals 65 and up who were vaccinated. And so I just wanted to kind of frame it for everybody so that we, we all we all on the same page. So this is different from heart inflammation. We're talking about strokes, which is a different mechanism, although... Uh, a tie can be made with, uh, if you have myocarditis, you might have increase in atrial fibrillation. And atrial fibrillation, which is a arrhythmia of the heart, can then lead to strokes, which which is a form of cardioembolic stroke, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, uh, a clot or something's in the heart is flowing out of the heart, going to the, the brain circulation and blocking the artery there. Right, right. Wow, very interesting. You know, guys, no. I, I, I want to ask a quick question. Because doctor, I just want to make something clear. Because Doctor Bernard, you're saying that they found that no, there's a signal. Let's let's be clear, okay? There's a signal there. John, yeah. John, John, do you do understand that you're arguing with a yeah, vascular yeah, I know, cardiologist? I know, right? yeah, yeah. I know, but, but, but no, 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 no. You do understand yes, that, yes, though, right? We're saying the same. Well, well John, let me clarify, okay? This a signal does not mean a cause. So let's exactly. just be very clear. Thank you. That, all that's right? all. That's this all I want to do. Thank uh, you. This is just a signal, so we cannot yeah. establish a causal relationship until further investigation is done and so uh jonathan i'm, I'm not disagreeing with you at all i'm just i want to just i want to just frame everything for everyone okay yeah, yeah man anyways dr danish my brother you know what let me ask you a question first right dr danish can you confidently say on this stage right now that we regular people including doctors have been misled by fauci and the cdc during this pandemic Dr. Danis, that question is to you. I think when it comes to initially talking about masks, I think that was misleading. I think when it comes to talking about reduction in transmission, I think we should have done further study. And I think at that moment with those variants, perhaps that was not misleading, but we knew better and we probably should have communicated better. And I think that's a very common mistake that occurs at the intersection of care delivery or medicine and public health. I think that's a, a, a 
politics came in, into play and a lot of other factors came into play that I think were misleading to the public. So before, before uh, I go, Lee, just one, one more thing to Dr. Dinesh. I, on, the, on, this point, on this point, Dr. Dinesh, um, and by the way, audience, we're waiting for more questions from you in the comments on the bottom right corner. So put your questions there so we can ask them for the panel. When you, when you, everyone loves to criticize the response back then, and, and rightly so. But let's go back to the mask idea. And we, we had a debate with Brett Weinstein about um, a noble lie. If you were in that position, knowing what you know, how would you have dealt with it, being in those circumstances? Because it's easy to criticize, but like, it's hard to put yourself in those shoes. I, I think, I think ultimately, uh, a noble lie is one that can stay uh, hidden. Uh, I remember being there for that with Eric. Um, I think the hard part is we knew better. We knew it was a respiratory virus. We knew that um, likely it was going to last at least a couple of years, um, and that very little of what we were doing was going to work in terms of mitigation. And so. Trying to uh, lie when you know you're going to get found out is only going to ruin people's opinions of the institution. And a noble lie is not one that breaks trust. And so ultimately, I think what we did broke trust in the system, which now is causing trouble. And I wanted to weigh in specifically about the stroke stuff before my colleague Bernard jumped in. But I, I, uh, he was in line. So I, I'll, I'll talk about it now. So one, there's no proof that it's related to a cardiovascular Insult. I, I, I will. I know that that's not what you were implying, Bernard. But I. Have but, but hey, before we go there, can, before we go there, can you just cover what you just said about the mask? Sure. You guys, so, you know, the, the, the community knew was, the mask a, could not stop. No, my point was that at that time, at the beginning of the pandemic, us, uh, you know, our public health officials going out and saying that masks are not going to prevent transmission of a respiratory virus. When they had initial data, uh, we know from the Woodward tapes that they actually knew that they that it was a respiratory virus and they chose not to do it uh, was the wrong decision. And I think it's OK for us to criticize people for making the wrong decision. People lost their So, so they should have said what? They should have said what? They should have mandated the mask right from the get go? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't Grant, believe in mandates. Be, well, I'm not following that. Yeah. So I, I, I can I can clarify. What they yeah. should have said is that, hey, if you are vulnerable, if you are immunocompromised, we highly recommend that you mask yourself. And if you are a caregiver like I was for my father, right, you should be wearing a mask when you're around people that are immunocompromised because this is a respiratory virus. And by the way, don't go and hoard masks because people on the front line will need access. I think we could have had an honest conversation in that moment. And uh, I, 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 I know that the American people would have done the right thing. And I think that that's yeah, so, is... so, so just to get the, all the people on, on the same page with what you're thinking, what did they do instead at that time? They, they, they straight up lied. And just, yeah. just to give some, just to give some context, the, the concern at that time was, was that there was not going to be enough supply of masks for, for first, first responders or, or uh, healthcare workers dealing with these COVID-19 patients. So as a, as a policy, they wanted to secure that supply before the general public uh, hoarded that that supply up, and and they lied. And they they as who Bernard? Who who are we talking about? So I don't have to fill in the the blanks yeah the here. public health officials. So essentially, so foul to American to, people. The assumption was actually based on the fact that they, infrastructure. That, yes, 
the assumption was made based on the fact that the national uh, strategic reserve had been depleted by Barack Obama for the H1N1 uh, pandemic back in, I believe it was, uh, Dr. Dinesh, you might know this, anybody else might know, like 2012, I think, and it was never replenished. Uh, it was almost totally empty of, of PPE in particular. So I believe that was their excuse uh, for lying about it. That was the underlying cause. Did they, did they admit, so, brother, did they so, admit to lying? I'm sorry. Did say they say, did, did they say we intentionally lied because no, of XYZ or no. we're just connecting the dots? No, no, they, they, they haven't come out and admitted it. Admitted it. I mean, they, their, their narrative is that they, they were, yeah, unaware, they're saying the science changed. Dumb as shit. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, like it's a, it's a virus that people were getting, uh, you know, at, at a rapid rate and, and, you know, just any basic doctor or particularly a virologist of, Dr. Fauci's caliber should have realized that early on. And so they haven't admitted it yet, but it, it's, clear, it's clear as day that they were lying. I, I believe it was internal emails that were released. Just just so I, I'm clear on this. So you're saying they did not push the mask from the beginning because they didn't believe there was enough mask, but they did the vaccine at warp speed. So it was easier to produce the, the vaccine than it was to, to make a mask. I think we're talking about different time scales, Grant. Okay, so, well, give me, give me those times. So, so, so what we're talking about is a rapidly uh, proliferating virus that was highly transmissible even at the beginning. And we did not have the strategic reserves because of depleting pandemic response. Um, we had done a poor job. Not It's not one administration. It was multiple administrations that did a poor job of replenishing our strategic reserves. And our pandemic response was poor. And, you know, we're talking about a week uh, versus months and months of putting and manufacturing vaccines. And if you remember the vaccine rollout, you know, we went after we wanted to make sure that it got to the most vulnerable first. Perhaps we could have done similar things with the masks. I think the, 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 the thing that, you know, perhaps upsets people like me who are caregivers and other physicians is that we didn't go to the nursing homes and, and make sure that they were masking. Think about how crazy that is, right? We didn't go to, uh, uh, you know, we had the healthcare workers potentially masking, but even then we didn't have, uh, you know, people outside of maybe doctors and nurses masking. There are a lot of other people that provide care uh, that, uh, you know, either lost a loved one because they took it home. Or they, you know, they, we know what happened in New York. And so these are really, really well, poor decision-making. Well, well, doctor, well, well, Dr. Danish, I, the, the healthcare workers were not masking up front. I mean, they, they, they told us that, that they didn't, didn't need the mask up front. And, and that included messaging to, to healthcare workers. So they, they then, you know, reversed and said a bunch of other things. And we started masking but, for the general but, public. But, but, but at the very onset of the pandemic, uh, they actually gave us uh, incorrect messaging. You know, gentlemen and and ladies, and oh, hello, Mister. I, I, I just <laughs> let's talk about it. But um, I, I I just want to check with each individual doctor on this stage right now as to this. Me, oh, you're back. Sorry. No, I'm here. I'm here. So I just want to check with everybody on this stage right now, all the doctors, right, ladies and gentlemen. I want to know if you guys understand the concern from, you know, a large group of people within, you know, the population. 
in terms of, you know, their reservations when it comes to the vaccine or trusting, you know, the public health officials. Right. And in, you know, in everybody's opinion, that includes Fauci, that includes the CDC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you guys just said on this stage right now that they lied and didn't acknowledge. Right. So do you understand where people are coming from when they say these guys have lied time and time and time again? Why should we believe them when it comes to the vaccine? Right. And where were the doctors, Nelson? Why didn't the doctor community stand up? You guys that are highly educated, you've made it through, you know, I don't know, eight or 12 years of schooling. You you, you, you got to have common sense. Hey, Grant, Why didn't you guys I, stand I, up as a group and say, that. hey, fuck, this is crazy. Well, and Bernard, I, I, as, I as, you answer, as you answer this on Bernard, to, to, to back up what Nelson and Grant just said, Joseph, hold on, to back it up, also the audience is in the same boat. The, I was going through the comments, and the main question I'm seeing in the comments is, if they lied, lied once, how do we know they didn't lie again? And then Grant's point is, I, I, I'd, I'd want to add to Grant's point, like, did doctors stand up, Bernard, or what Grant's saying is correct, like the doctors just kind of went through with the, with the recommendation? Yeah, yeah, doctors did not stand up. In, in mass, not at all, but doctors did stand up individually, and they were they were made examples of early on in the pandemic when they challenged uh, hosp- the, the hospital hospitals pandemic response. So we saw really a, a lack of of pushback from physicians. But this is related to the fact that as a constituency or as a stakeholder in healthcare, physicians have become diminished and weakened, and so. You know, if you if you frame it, if you look at it from you know ten thousand foot level, you have pharma, you have the hospital um, uh, hospital associations, and you have the insurance companies or the payers, and then you had doctors. And traditionally, doctors were powerful under the AMA. And so, so, so no, walk us through the hierarchy there. How, what's the hierarchy? Yeah, the hierarchy right now is is really the top the top three. You have the payers, the hospitals, and pharma, and doctors by and large work for. Uh, the hospitals or one of the one of those uh, other two and most most physicians or at least the majority of physicians are either employed by a hospital system or a a group that's tied to a hospital system and so they, they, there's a there, there's been a corporatization of healthcare, and as a result physicians simply don't speak out so that's kind of why i ended up doing a lot of tv it wasn't because i was particularly well-spoken or well-known it's i mean dr I, bernard I, I what you just said what you just said, though, was doctors were afraid to speak up for the fear of losing their job or made an example of. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. And, and that, that's just that's wow. one aspect of, of many. But also there's, the doctors are, are, are very indoctrinated. Like you go through uh, greater than a decade of training. And so we've learned to think a certain way and to trust certain authorities. So so like New England Journal of Medicine, the CDC, think that these institutions are – uh, somewhat revered in healthcare and and uh, above board approach, certified, so to speak. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's a separate thing. But but yeah, the the physicians just kind of defer to these experts without questioning the quality of evidence or or actually the evidence at all that they're using and, to make their policies. Do, do the other doctors here agree with that? That the doctors just fall in line, don't think for themselves. Can I? Can just... I add, yeah, I'd like to add to that. Hold, um, hold on, before you guys do, let me jump in here and let, I want to give a quote from Dr. Fauci on this issue. Okay, so he was asked in an interview, "Why weren't we told to wear masks in the beginning?" His his answer was, "Quote: 
Well, the reason for that is that we were concerned, the public health community, and many people were saying this, were concerned that it was at a time when personal protective equipment, including N95 masks and surgical masks, were in very short supply. So that is basically him admitting to lying to this. So I just want to make that clear. I, 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 I didn't know that. So, so. What, what, what is it he said again? Movie. I missed it, guys. I, I don't know why I lost all my audio. Okay, I'll, I'll read it one more time here. Thank you. So he was asked, why weren't we told to wear masks in the beginning? Quote, well, the reason for this is that we were concerned the public health community, and many people were saying this, were concerned that it was at a time when personal protective equipment, including the N95 masks and the surgical masks, were in very short supply. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. But, but let's hear from I Dr. Joanne. I never met Joanne. anybody that lie only one time. It's absolutely insane. Lies are like but Joanna. When you find one, you'll find 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I trust right, women right. better. I trust women better. So, Dr. Joanna, I mean, welcome yeah. to the room. Let's yeah, talk no, about thank it. You. Yeah, thank you for having me. You know, so I just kind of want to introduce myself first to, to everybody. So I'm um, an intensivist and an anesthesiologist. I was training at a Harvard hospital um, during the pandemic, I was doing my critical care fellowship out there before taking a job out here in New York City. And, you know, I I am hearing a lot of frustration, I think, with physicians during this time. And I just want to I want to point out a few really important, I think, relationships that do exist um, and just dynamics that exist as well within healthcare. So, you know, we as physicians are practitioners. We work clinically Um and as far as being scientists, PhDs, we rely on on um, the folks who are pulling data, um, who are who are doing the studies, doing the due diligence um, to help guide our practices. And our practices are dynamic. Um, and during that time, I don't think that any physician was necessarily thinking, oh, you know, I'm I'm willfully hiding anything, you know, from, from my patients and, and, you know, from, from the public in general, I think that we were just in the dark uh, as many, many of the people that we were, we were working alongside and many of the people and their families we were treating, you know, we didn't, we didn't know. Oh, and I have a, you know, that's not the truth. How many I, physicians actually <laughs> vaccine very i'm talking very very early on before the vaccine was even around and remember this was this was back in the springtime the vaccine wasn't at least here in new york it wasn't available until probably late fall or early winter the vaccine but yeah no <laughs> administratively i think that there there are definitely um, fears and concerns. I mean, you can even look at people oh, like Peter, Peter McCullough, for instance, um, who, you know, is not, not, uh, I mean, he's definitely a controversial figure, but, but the risk of losing your, the risk of losing your medical license. Okay, okay, one, 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 one second, one second, one second, one second. Dr. Lee. Doc, Dr. Lee. Come on, man. That's a lady. <laughs> see, Dr. That, that, that's, a, that's a lady, though. <laughs> Mario, but that, that's a lady. Yeah, I know. I know. Bro. I know. I that's know. a lady. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Lee, please, my brother, let, let, let it finish, and we'll circle back to you. How about that? Dr. Joanna, yeah, please yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. no, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, just as far as, as far as, as information was coming out and as the data became harder and harder really to, to, decipher because 
we were getting mixed messages, you know, and I think people even at home watching the daily updates that were happening, it was like one day masks are in the next day they're out. You know, this was this was confusing to everybody. But there there no is there is fear for retaliation within the medical community. And, you know, I I do think that it's important for people to understand that. And we do take a vow. We take an oath. First, do no harm. Um and you also want to be effective in your job. Um, so I, I hear a lot of the frustration and I, I agree with it to an extent as well, because it was something that we directly, I think, observed, you know, at least in the in some of the communities that that, you know, I've I've been in. Um, but I just wanted to add but that. Uh, and Dr. Lee, just before you respond, I got a question for you. Do you think I remember back during COVID doctors were overworked? They were the most vulnerable. And, you know, we praise them as heroes. Now, they might have not done a perfect job, but do you think they deserve the amount of criticism they're getting now, Dr. Lee? Yes, because look, one, among all my friends, most of them who were physicians, most of them didn't believe in the flu vaccine, okay? I never got a flu vaccine in my life. Don't forget you're a doctor, Dr. Lee, so you you deserve to be criticized uh, as well. So you said that, like, so brazenly. Just let's not forget that you call yourself a doctor as well.
a lot of people were dying early in the pandemic in in uh, New York. I mean, uh, like Bernard, they, they they were dying. Hard. Can I explain why I think they died? Because I explained this to Fauci in February of 2021, and in October. But, but, but Dr. Lee, to, to be fair, you sent Fauci an email though. To to be fair, it was an email. Yes, it's a good point. Like he can't, Doctor Lee can't say. I spoke when he said when he keeps saying I spoke to Fauci. I thought you guys had a coffee every day, and you guys. Oh hell! Oh hell! I will say I would pay to see a one-on-one between Doctor Lee and Fauci. So, isn't that sufficient if he responded? So, you, I did send him lots. One one second, Doctor Lee, because because you're just jumping all in because it's like you guys are all speaking up for all the doctors and saying doctors were scared to speak up. All right, and like every doctor was afraid to speak up. So, like doctors didn't believe and and uh, what they were doing. All right, and, and and they were just following it. Like every doctor, no doctors believed in what they were doing. So you guys, it's a, I think it's offensive that you guys sitting here saying doctors did. I I, I hate to break up your your, your kumbaya uh-huh. your, your kumbaya uh, echo chamber y'all trying to create uh-huh. here, but you know don't don't sit here and say that doctors were afraid to speak up. Okay, no, because they just because you guys don't believe in this shit, okay, it works, okay? Oh. Doesn't that, no. doctors didn't speak up. I, I was one of the few doctors that did spoke, speak up. All right, so, speak so up about what? Speak up in regard to what? The Bernard, vaccine? Bernard, a lot of us didn't know. I, I don't think that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Statement. No, no, so, 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 Jonathan, like, like, I'm glad you bring it up because specificity is important when we're talking here. And so, so when, when we talk about speaking up, we're, we're talking about the the, the BS policies, the the the, the BS uh, gaslighting that was happening in the hospital. A lot of doctors were, were were disillusioned by like these big hospital corporations who who were doing doing this bullshit straight up. And so they didn't speak loudly. We spoke amongst each other, but it was it was a few and far in between that spoke out publicly or directly to administration. So so you're saying the, so, so the vaccine. Bernard, uh, no, so I, I just I just wanted to ask real quick uh, because you're saying a lot of doctors didn't actually know. Um, were they? Was it more or less because they were afraid to do anything different than what the CDC was rec- uh, recommending based on I, you know possible sanctions or what? I think that I think the timing matters. So what I when I said that a lot of doctors, uh, you know, uh, Doctor Aiken actually mentioned it very very eloquently at the at the beginning beginning of the pandemic. A lot of clinicians were looking to the CDC for guidance on what to do about masks and what to do about uh, social distancing. That is how it works. That is the system. You have to rely on the experts because that's what they study all day. In the first two weeks when no one knows anything about the pandemic, you have to rely on the experts. And they said, and so uh, this belief that people were, were knew at that moment exactly what to do. They thought they knew, but a lot of people did not know. And so that is what I meant. Now, later on in the pandemic, as people learn more and more, more research came out, doctors started developing different opinions. And maybe some doctors didn't speak up as much or other doctors did. But I, 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 to, to say that right at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody knew everything, I think is just foolish. Yeah, uh, before yeah, we go to doctor, I, I, doctor, I, I, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that's that, what sounded like I, to me, Bernard. I, 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 well, a lot of people didn't know what was going on. So, I mean, he, he framed it as though we, we, we were just listening to the CDC blindly, uh, but we were listening to everybody. Like, like we, we were trying to figure out what was going on. We were listening to the WHO. We were listening to reports out of China and, and other European countries that, that, that were 
uh, having that that were seeing the surges before it, it happened here. And uh, not all of us were. You know, but, my experience but, was, but, but it was it was, it was upsets. And so, so someone like me who who, who so hold on, hold on, Doctor Lee. So someone like me who was paying attention to what was going on in, in Europe and, and Asia and, and saw the, the flood of hospitalizations and deaths, that there was a, a huge concern on, on, on my part and others who were paying attention because the messaging that we were getting here in the U.S. was very different, and Trump had a lot, of, lot, lot to do with that. I mean, he was minimizing the, the virus and saying that, that it, was the flu, it was just like the flu and so on and so forth. So, so he was pushing back against the narrative and was actually trying to trying to tamp down on that because he was worried about the impact it would have on, on the economy. And, and he was, you know, I, I think he, he was pretty clear on that uh, after the fact, and, and everybody knew that, but that we were getting so many different mixed messages. And because of the politics that were involved in the CDC and the FDA, that there were competing interests with, within the different uh, organizations. And, and we, that's what we saw. We saw like a, a different messaging even coming out of the CDC and FDA. So we as physicians, well, we're, we're confused uh, just, just as much as the general public. Not to mention the fact that there have been 320,000 papers published on this in the past two years. And so if you're actually trying to take care of the patients and, and, and actually at the bedside trying to take care of patients and then also having time to read 320,000 page, you know, papers you, you, that, that say differing things, the, the, the point is, is that we were all in this together and everybody was interested in trying to protect public health. And there were no, different were. things. No, we're not. There were, there were different things. There were different approaches that people took. And I agree that there was, there was misinformation about masks with I, I mean, the road to hell is <laughs> paved with good intentions. And, and so I, I think that, um, this this is a very difficult. Uh, I, I I actually think this is a very important time in history. I think we need to reevaluate how medicine works. Why are doctors scared? The reason why doctors are scared is because they have given up their autonomy. We now, not me anymore, because I I've gone to to the. Uh, agricultural side in Bayer. So I'm, 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 I work for a company, but we, the reason why I left medicine was because I felt like my autonomy had been completely taken away when I was taking care of patients. Now, fortunately for me, I had paid off my student loans, but the younger doctors have on average Two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars with a worth of debt in the United States, and if they don't um, follow whatever rules are set out for them, they lose. They they, they they're fearful of losing their jobs, losing their so, financial uh, life. Well, you know, so, so sure. that, so that, so that it, it doesn't. About all the, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not talking about what. what I'm, I'm not talking about the ethics of it. I'm talking about the reality of it, right? And and what I think became is crystal clear is that um, there there needs to be a sea change in the way in, in the practice of medicine. So doctors are able to advocate for themselves and their patients. Um, which they haven't been able to do for the past, I'm going to say, 20 years now. Dr. Lisa, 
Dr. Uh. Lisa, real quick, right? This is Nelson. So what you just said was that majority of doctors have large amounts of student loans that they need to pay off, right? And they need to follow rules and guidelines in order to make sure that they don't lose their means, their means of, you know, income, right? Being their job. Even in this if that case, means killing people. Right. So so, so that's no, that's where I want to get to. That's, that is not at all. No, 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 not not killing people. Wait, one 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 second, Nick. Not killing people. But essentially, question less, follow more, right? Because the more you question, regardless whether it's a pandemic, whatever the case may be, the more you act out of order, the more likely it is that you lose a job. So, 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 one second, Dr. Bernard. We Bernard. get out of order a lot. One, one, so, so, Dr. You, Lisa, is, is that what you're saying? That's not I'm the right. I'm telling that's you not. that when junior doctors, when residents, I'm telling you that when junior doctors who are in training. You're saying that they're. No, no, no. Joseph, let me finish. Let me finish. When I am, I am telling you that when junior doctors that are in training are at risk of losing their jobs because they disagree um, they, they, and, and they're $250,000, $300,000. Um, what about Joseph, the doctors? What about the Dr. Dr. Lee, Joseph. I need one mic on Dr. Lisa, respectfully, please. Thank you. Dr. Lisa, let's go. When, 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 they, when you have that much debt, it is very difficult to go, and you are at risk of losing a job, it is very difficult to go against the mainstream. One. Two, if you are extraordinarily busy, if you're extraordinarily busy taking care of COVID patients, you do not have the time to evaluate the 320,000 papers that have come over the past, over the past two years. And so who do you rely on for your information? You rely on the, the authorities, the FDA, the CDC, all of these organizations that are spending a lot of time reading scientific literature that is very well vetted, to be honest with you. So, so it's, it's a combination of things. If, if you, ha if you have organizations that are, that, that you trust and believe in, and you've got this, you've got this overwhelmed debt as well, that, that creates a perfect storm for, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have time to, to understand in depth all of the detailed nuances about bears and things like that. Um, I, I, I think that, I think that, I think that hindsight, I think that hindsight is 2020. I think that we're all in this together. I think that pharmaceutical companies have fam people's people who work for pharmaceutical companies have families too. They were just as concerned about their families. Um, and, and we're, we have a decision to make going forward. We all are going to need doctors. We're all going to need public health agencies and we're all going to need medications. And so the question is going forward, how do we rebuild trust in these agencies and 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 in in the profession because the profession at the moment is in shambles for a variety of different reasons and and, and i think tragedy 
I, I mean, I mean, you know, one, one, one second, guys. One, one, one second, guys. One second. Just give me one second. Dr. Lisa, first of all, I appreciate you for your honesty, but here's the deal, right? Dr. Lee's not here anymore. Dr. Lee? Yeah, he dropped out. I've messaged him now. He dropped out. Okay. I'll bring back up. Okay. Um, Dr. Lisa, here's the deal, though, right? A lot of people believe them Bernie Madoff as well for over three decades, right? That's how he was able to raise so much money. People trusted and believed the Madoff. What happened at the end of the day? But Pretty sure we all know that. No, no, wait, wait, wait. One, 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 one second, Doctor. All right, go ahead, go ahead. One, one, one second. So, you know, this concept of essentially trusting and believing, you know, the authorities to essentially guide, you know, the doctors down the right path, in my opinion, especially after all the stuff that's come out, after all the people that are screaming at the top of their lungs, hey, this thing is affecting us. And after those people get censored, I mean, Dr. Lisa, again, I appreciate you for your honesty, but you see where people are starting to lack trust when it comes Absolutely. to their doctors at this point. And Nelson, right? if I but could it, just add to that, because what I don't get is a common everyday guy. You guys can't get an agreement on the mask, but then you let people spend money and energy on plexiglass. Like which doctor? That was here that. No, I'm going to tell you that was not a doctor's dividers, That's not a. That's but not why a, don't you guys stand up and say this is fucking stupid? But why well, don't the, you guys the, stand up as a group and say it's stupid? Because they're busy, because doctors I, I, doctors are overwhelmed now. with the other stuff. Oh the, my god! They, we're on. overwhelmed. Well, well, Grant. Oh, Grant, let, let, let me answer this, man, because because we have to again to take a step back and understand that that doctors as but, a constituency but Bernard, is are, it a are fair infinite. question? Is it a fair question? To it say, is a fair wow. question. I'm trying trying to answer it. Like let me let me just I understand. answer this. Uh, okay, but okay, but what you're going to do is give me an excuse. Like I, I'm not giving you an excuse. I, I'm I'm going to tell you what it is. So so doctors as a constituency are 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 weak, and so we all know how power works, right? Power. Is something that's universal and, and permeates every aspect of what we do in society. And so we as physicians have, don't really understand that that we're we're at the bottom of, of the totem pole when it comes to power within healthcare. And so as a result, you know, you have a, a healthcare industry that is primarily driven to, to make money. Like that, that's what pharmaceuticals about, pharma's about. That's what the hospitals are about, and and, and that's what the, the payers are about. Everybody's trying to make a bag, and so those incentives are built into the system. From, from medical school on up. And so that we, we're even indoctrinated when it comes to our curriculum in terms of how we look at disease and, and how we approach it in terms of uh, uh, giving medications. It, it, it's, it's, we, we don't even recognize it within ourselves. And so the, the financial incentives do a lot to influence the practice of healthcare. And as it pertains to physicians directly, because so many of us work for uh, hospitals and businesses or the or pharma or the insurance companies that they are they are our bosses. I mean, again, the reason why I am able to move the way I do is because I'm completely independent. I was institutionalized forever, you know, until one day I, I left my position as a professor at Columbia and and as as a, a, a staff attending vascular cardiologist at Mount Sinai and, and and decided to become independent. And and once I did that. I started viewing healthcare very differently from the outside in as opposed to being inside. You're just unaware when you're inside these institutions 
how heavily indoctrinated you are. Uh, so, so before uh, we go to Dr. Coca after this, because it would be, uh, be he's had a stand up for a while. But I do want to mention, uh, if you have any questions for the doctors, please put your uh, reply down there. Hit the purple button down in the right corner. I'll be going through them, and uh, we'll start asking your questions here in a bit. But real, real quick with with Jonathan, right, Jonathan? I mean, do you know how crazy it is? You know when um. Dr. Lisa just said that, you know, there are over 320,000 studies that have come out, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic. And essentially most doctors don't have time to review every single study due to the fact that they're taking care of patients. Yeah. Do you know how crazy it is when you think about all the individuals that have come out to say, hey, they've been hurt because of the vaccine, because of X, Y, Z? Do you understand how crazy? Listen. As a real estate guy, right, as a real estate developer, if I F something up, I'm probably not going to kill anybody, right? If a lawyer F something up, he's probably not going to kill anybody. If Grant messed something up, he's probably not going to kill anybody. But if a doctor screws something up, somebody may die, right? What, That's so what, what, did, what, what did they do wrong that you – what's your main concern? Like they can't read every study, so exactly. what's your main concern? You know, you know, the, the, well, Mario, my, my, one of my main concerns, concerns Mario, is that that I can't trust the smartest people in our society to have any courage to exercise. Courage. That is not, not what's going on. One second. How many doctors are in America? How many doctors are in America? A lot. You all are weaving a weird narrative that is just yeah, that's fine. Again, let me, not let me true. weave. Let me weave. OK, it ain't weird to me, pal. And that's okay. what I'm trying to explain. Is no, that no, ultimately this is, this is what concerns me? How many doctors are in America? About a million. A million. You're telling me you guys can't have twenty percent of you guys stand up and say the fucking plexiglass is stupid. Because the plexiglass was not a doctor decision. I don't know what that it's bro, a decision bro, that's made I, on I, nobody each municipality level. Decision. Come out, the get people out of your that book. are sitting. Get perhaps, out of your book a second, okay? Please get out of your books, okay? It was not. No, a no, we're decision. taking care of I patients, that. man. Okay, bro. You know in what? New York, you need to in do, New York, if you're you going to take care of patients, was... if you're going to take care of patients going forward, if you guys are talking about going forward, you guys need to come up with some kind of group that has enough power to override this this hierarchy of other power that you've submitted. I'm certain there is already someone you got there, yourself, something in. You, you got yourself in a bit of a jam box mm-hmm. now with the American people. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know Grant, Grant, I want to say something. Let me say this real quick, Grant. If that's the case, then right. Grant, then your congressman shouldn't be freaking signing off on voting on laws. Okay, because these laws that they, they sign off on, they come out with thousands of pages, tens of thousands of pages, okay, and, and they come out and they get an hour or two to vote on them. So that, that 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 what you're saying just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't jive with what what reality is. Are you saying are you saying the Actually, plexiglass was a law? No, we're not talking about plexiglass. You're plexiglass... talking about reading. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So how about, how about the six foot signs? The six foot signs. Did any of you doctors believe it's arbitrary? It's arbitrary. Worked? Right. At the and time... Grant, go ahead. I, Grant, yeah. know this. Grant, please know this. Doctors fight with hospital administrators and each other all the time, every day in hospitals across this country. We sit there and tell administrators most of their policies are stupid and have nothing to do with better patient outcomes. You are absolutely right. We need to disrupt the healthcare system. We need to get the doctors out of this. 
They are bound by insurance companies' debt and restrictive covenants that limit their ability to leave an opportunistic, private equity-backed, nothing to do with patient care system. It's a sick care system, and we definitely have to break it to fix it. It's breaking the pandemic catalyze this and we do all have to wake up about this so freeing the doctors to think freely and actually advocate for patient care matters as much as i didn't believe in ivermectin prescriptions i believe in the right for a doctor to prescribe any medicine they think is appropriate for a patient not have the government question it and certainly not have the, your insurance company say they're going to refuse to pay for it or a pharmacist is going to refuse I, I disagree to pay. I disagree with that Dr. Catherine. Could I could I ask because, one well, question? Because one second Dr. Oh, Catherine you said okay, you said sure. if they if they're describing yeah, if they want to uh, prescribe turn, if they want to prescribe something that's dangerous that may be dangerous that they should be allowed to do so that doesn't make sense uh, that any You know what Jonathan we prescribe off-label more than 50% of the time. And if it is our clinical judgment that a medication is appropriate, we are bound by the duty held by the law, held by our malpractice contracts, and we can be sued if we do anything that is medically negligent or maleficent or causes harm and was not within the standard of care. So the standard of care for COVID-19 is surely not established. It's a novel virus. Dr. Coca, you've had your hand up. Can you respond to that? Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I think there's a, a, a I think the, I, I'll reemphasize uh, the point that some of my colleagues have made is that um, it seems you know part of the problem is is that um, when you have a very centralized control mechanism which is now developed with guidelines and protocols, um, it becomes it becomes very hard to break that. Uh, you know, just irrespective grant of uh, the debt and all that stuff, right? I forget about all that. I, you know, I, I wrote a story um, in uh, uh, August of 2020 about a physician in New York who um, was part of the, you know, he's part of the critical care team in New York. And he noticed that the early, the quick ventilations, you know, intubating patients very quickly uh, who came in with COVID, uh, that they were very, very difficult to manage. And a lot of times, they ended, I remember that. Yeah, they ended up being. You, you did your they ended up man. being. That was very helpful to a lot of. Right, doctors. they ended up being paralyzed and sedated afterwards to help uh, uh, synchronize their breathing with the ventilators, and uh, and then you know of course people didn't want to. There were you know the, the care team was obviously very careful about going in and taking care of the patients and stuff. So maybe they weren't getting the same type of care that the normal ventilated patient would get, and and outcomes in patients that ended up being intubated and ventilated with COVID were very, very, very poor, right? And so this doctor said, look, I, I wanted to try to break protocol and maybe not use kind of the parameters that you normally use to decide on intubation, which is related to oxygen levels in blood sometimes and how fast you're breathing and, and whatnot, specifically this oxygen levels in blood, because apparently with COVID early on, the, the learning experience was that this happy hypoxia where patients were hypoxic, but seemed to be generally okay. So there are these stories of people who are on cell phones being taken, saying, "Hey, get off the cell phone. We have to intubate you because your your numbers don't look good, right?" So, and anyway, he tried to break. But the point is, he tried to break with that with the general protocol for who should get intubated and whatnot. And he was side, and you know, he spoke up. And guess what? <laughs> Within two weeks, he was no longer allowed to be taking taking primary care of um, of patients in in that intensive care unit. Um, so, I think it's it's incredibly um, it's incredibly it's it is a very very difficult system to operate in, um, uh, given all the layers of bureaucracy that now sit on top of...
uh, physicians who are trying to take care of patients at the bedside. There's another story about a, about a physician who traveled to New York City, who noticed, who again noticed that in order to liberate patients from the ventilator, right, we have these set protocols, right? Um, you know, some try to liberate patients from the ventilator, right? And experienced really good physician that I know for a long time. He he went to New, you know he went to New York City to help out, and he noticed that you know he could not get the nurses and the respiratory therapists to to uh, he had really had to push really had to push them hard right and he he said once that you know the, the the best thing was when it was there were the inexperienced nurses that were pulled from floors that weren't normally taking care of these patients those folks i could kind of get my way and and we liberated x number of patients from the vent whereas in these other units where at all these protocols uh, and and the patient and the, and, the, and the nurses and the staff and the administrators were super strict i just wasn't able to get them to to push so i'll just echo the the you know what my uh, colleagues are saying in terms of and, and kind of direct it specifically towards this command and control uh, kind of uh, as opposed to a more decentralized system that we used to have when it came to uh, um, taking care of patients where, you know, you allowed for flexibility and latitude uh, for physicians who are at the bedside. Now it's like, nope, if you're going to intensive care unit at, you know, this hospital health system, everyone will be taken care of the same way because on average, the, the, the you know, on, on average, the uh, outcomes will be better. Well, hey, when, you, when you're dealing with a novel virus uh, and, and information is so quick and changing and moving, you really have, do have to give latitude to physicians, I think, master physicians at the bedside to kind of break and come up with new protocols. And right now in the system that exists, that, that's really hard. Thank you. Hey, can, uh, can I... Can I speak yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you go, Tara. Uh-huh. I've also got a question from the audience. Any, any audience members, you can put your questions bottom right corner. I was a bit tuned out of the space while reading through them. Um, so, Tara, I'll let you answer the point, and then I'll, the question will be after okay. that. And, and I'll read it out now anyway. Hey, Mario, please ask this question. For those that think vaccines are causing – and that's a very common question. Um, for those that think vaccines are causing death or injury – how do they know the cardiac or clot issue are not just coming from COVID and not the vaccine? Now, we've, we've had doctors answer this question in previous spaces. So we'd love to get um, different perspectives on this question after, after Tyra speaks. Okay. So I wanted to ask Grant one thing. Do you think that the CDC recommended plexiglass? Is that what you're suggesting? Because you seem to not, be saying, you seem to be I, saying I doctors not. should be weighing in on that, but the CDC never, never recommended it. It's done by private. I didn't say any, I didn't right. mention the CDC. So here. why, why do you think doctors should weigh in on something that private businesses are doing? Is that their responsibility? I think doctors should fucking weigh in and practice the backbone. So they're practicing medicine. They're because doing the best I to save to them, their pay. I go to them. Hang on. You ask me a question. I'll answer. Sure. I'm in California. Uh, we bring our first daughter to the doctor. Doctor demands that we get vaccinated there with him or not come back. So there's a lot of courage when it comes to the vaccine. You should do this. You need to do this. You're being irresponsible if you don't do this. But when it comes to stupid shit, okay, like the plexiglass, like the six feet, like don't go out in public, like wear a mask, a half a fucking mask, wear a mask on your fucking chin, okay? Wear a fucking Chanel mask or a Gucci mask. The fact that doctors, millions of doctors around the country did not get on TV and fight this fucking Fauci bullshit is what I'm upset about, okay? Because I would trust the the group more if the group had courage. 
to express itself the way Bernard does in these rooms. Okay. Let, let me tell, tell people the truth. Tell people the truth about how broken our system is. I had a guy in here the other night tell us that Cuba has a better health care system than America. That's BS. Yeah, I don't buy that. Grant, okay. but might I say that you raised there were other a straw doctors man? That agreed with that, by the way. That is not yes. Grant, you raised a straw man about plexiglass. Kira, I don't Kira, see any reasons why doctors have to weigh in. Kira, me, I really me, don't. Let me, let me jump in here because I, I just want to be clear because I know I know somebody said I think you, I believe it was you said that the CDC uh, did not recommend uh, plexiglass. That is not true. Actually, uh, they did recommend barriers. There you go, too. In addition to face covering and social distancing. So let's, I want to be clear. But are we saying, so are we, are we, are we saying that plexiglass did not help at all? No. No, no, no. Hmm. I, I don't believe what we're saying. That I, and I think we're, yeah. we're, we're going down a, a bit of a rabbit hole. But what I can say is, is that the CDC has been incredibly resistant to characterizing the virus as, as aerosolized. I mean, they, they just can't seem to get that out, get that word out. Uh, to the people, I mean, I mean, we have an abundance of data on, on the transmission um, uh, factors in in uh, COVID uh, SARS coronavirus now to, to determine that. Yet that there is a, a reticence or, or at least a resistance to, to saying that, and that's that's also. An are there a lot of doctors on the panel that think that masks class. are really effective at at stopping the pandemic? Thank you. Yeah. I no, think no, there so, is. So, I think so Doctor. Yeah. 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 yeah, I can. That's really surprising. I was on so, CNN, and I was one of the few doctors that that was against mass mandates early on. Say, let's so, go to Doctor Denise, Doctor Bernard. We, I want to go to somebody that believes that masks are useful. So, as I said the other day, but masks, masks uh, in what context? Not just. I'm not talking about masks and maybe the OR. I'm talking about you're, you think community masking so, is is something that is effective. That was the point that I maybe maybe doctors so the conclusion i got from the other space and i'll let you respond to it on this question is that masks and we had so we had doctors disagree on this point and debate it really heavily and then they agreed on one point in the middle and they said masks do work if used correctly but most people don't use them correctly would we find would we find it would anyone disagree with this one i'd be curious if used correctly, like if, if put on correctly, which where doctors put them on correctly, the average Joe does not. If used correctly, do masks work or do you still believe they don't work? I believe that was in reference to N95 respirators in that conversation. Yeah, so yeah that was, I, I think, I, the last, I, I, last space we did. Who disagrees with this? I think who disagrees with this? I mean, if you basically, if you recommend to villages in Bangladesh to wear a mask, but education, so my answer to that one, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, by the way. So answer to that one, um, and when I asked it in, the, in that last space, I'm like, the same way you teach people how to drive a car, you teach them how to use a mask properly. It took a long time to teach people how to drive a car properly. Then we go through the similar process on using a mask properly. But that's like that's why I think it matters. But like, let's see, that, does anyone, like Dr. Lee, do you disagree that masks actually work if used properly and correctly as you would use them? And you've got a mask in your profile photo, I think. Let me see. Dr. Lee, there. Dr. Lee, are you in the building? You're. No, I'm just going to let talk. He's unmuted. He's unmuted. Go ahead, Dr. You're going to let me talk? I'm amazed. Let's talk about it. I'm amazed. Let's talk about it. Okay, why would masks. You know, this is, this is the freaking ridiculousness of this. Masks, their pore size is 300 nanometers, a virus particle is 100 nanometers. 
that's I know it's kind of silly because viruses supposedly come out in in respiratory droplets, right? But has not everyone seen that when you have a mask on and you cough out in a cold winter day, you get all this mist everywhere? So no masks don't work. All right. Now if you have a fire and you're just working on then catch- stop wearing them, Doctor Lee. Why? Why are you wearing them? You have one in your profile. Why? Why do you wear them? I'm a fucking surgeon. I've done eighty thousand LASIK surgeries. I'm used to wearing a mask nonstop. But if it doesn't work, then why are you wearing it? What do you mean it doesn't work? You just said it don't work. Just, <laughs> he doesn't. Work. No, I think. I think he says. No, I think he says it doesn't work for COVID. Yeah. Not doesn't work for everything. Oh my no? god! Slow down. Like a dentist wearing dentist wearing mask before COVID existed. A doctor's wore a mask before COVID existed. I surgery on them without a mask, and I'm talking, and you know, like respiratory droplets. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, a mask can't work against COVID because, look, you need to stop the fire. Why don't you stop production of the virus? The best way to stop production, and after I say this little piece, and Nelson, you've heard it, Mario, you've heard it, but a lot of people here haven't heard it, so put up with the shit, okay? So. Oh, man, not again, man, please. Let me ask you the mask. Are you trying to keep your stuff off of the patient? When you're doing the LASIK surgery, or are you trying to keep their stuff out of your space? I don't even know why we care about this. Do you care about mm-hmm. it, Because I'm sure. The world is worried about COVID. Do you really think they care about my freaking LASIK surgery right now? Let, let, let's let Dr. Lee rock. Dr. Lee, rock out. Let's oh, go. Bro, he's gonna, we're going to starve the virus, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got to starve. No, no. Dr. Lee, I apologize for my comrades, you know, Grant and Jonathan. Jonathan's had too many boosters, right? You know, but but go ahead. Let's talk about it. Dan, Dan, I'll, I'm going to let Dan go first. Dan, go ahead. Dr. Lee, God damn it! I'm passing you the microphone, man. Let's go. I mean, Jump I mean, in. Hey, 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 why are you picking Dan, bro? You, you could have picked your. Why am I picking Dan? I'm picking Dan because, you know, all my anger is because of people like him. All right, you guys are going to nonstop talk about this vaccine. You talk but about Dr. Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee. Hey, why stop. didn't somebody? Grant, stop. Why didn't Grant, somebody stop. tell America? Why didn't somebody tell America to quit eating? I didn't hear that over the two and a half years. I never heard anybody suggest you know stop it. It's a campaign against misinformation. The fucking stupid Dems. All right? Now, you guys want to pretend okay. that didn't happen? That happened to me. I was censored non-freaking non-stop. All right? I was censored I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Dr. Lee, I mean, you be saying some, some wild things, bro. I'm not saying wild. I ain't going to lie. But, 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 but it, it, that ain't no reason to censor you because uh, I'm, I'm 100% Bernard, have you heard, Bernard, have you heard, any, Bernard, have you heard anything I've said? Do you know anything about what I've said? Do you know where I... Wh- bro, I, I, I've more than heard you. Okay, so then... Bro, I, bro, I, I almost have your pitch down. <clears throat> Bernard, <Sorry>. are you... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Bernard, are you pro or anti-vaccine? I'm not pro. I'm pro life, bro. I, I, that's that's what I am. I'm pro people living. I'm pro people not dying. So so like that. Like See, I'm this is what happens. Being this framed, happens on the side. I don't, way. Bro, like, I'm not going to look you up and figure out what's going on. I'm going to debate you if you're going to tell me if you if you did you get the vaccine, Bernard? Yeah, yes, I did get the vaccine. But but hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I haven't. I got the vaccine. Two doses, four months apart. My arguments the against science. the vaccine, and and and, and then and then and hold on, hold on. Second, second of all, uh, I have not gotten any boosters. That there's no in, no reason for me at all to get a booster based on the science. 
And at that particular point in the pandemic, it made sense. Right now, different story. We got an eye doctor ordering, or arguing with a vascular science. I mean, that, that's Dr. Lee. <laughs> go ahead, eye doctor, nah, Dr. Lee, go ahead. Fucking shut the fucking mouth. Right? I, 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 Dr. Lee, my, my grandma got glaucoma. I got to talk to you about that, okay? Maybe about that. Come on, bro. Fucking shut up. <laughs> Come on, bro. You know, you know, this is the problem with, this is the problem with Jonathan Bain. Fuck Jonathan, shut the fuck up, because I'm going to have a... <laughs> Nice. You're not gonna get no more people. Jonathan, shut the fuck up. You're not gonna get no more people. Yeah, like right, Jonathan, shut the fuck up. I'm gonna not... have a nice. Alright, guys, just quickly, I'm gonna bring up Steve. So if you brought down, I'll bring Lisa. I'm gonna bring you down and back up just so I can bring up Steve. I have to bring people off this panel to be able to invite him via DM. So if you got brought down, I'll bring you back up in a second. And I think it's the perfect time to mute. So, so Dr. Lee, so what's the point you're trying to make uh, so then someone could respond? Go ahead. Because, you know, we're all talking about benefits here. Okay, the va- none of us would be here if the vaccine had no benefits. And if the vaccine wasn't mandated, we wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't have to listen to Jonathan and his stupid shit, okay? So, look, Bernard... Bernard, give me a hypothesis for how the COVID vaccine works. Because you know what? If there's no benefit, why are we here talking about this? I mean, why was it? I mean, dog. I mean, I mean, listen. No, like the, at the end of the day, uh-huh. the, the 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 so there's there's more than enough data that indicates that the vaccine uh, works at multiple. Bernard, levels. Uh, that's but, not but, the way you work. But, but hold on. Just, hold no, 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 no. Stop. On. You know, I mean, I mean, no, so, so, Mario, mute them. Mute Bernard, because mute Bernard for a minute. Mute Bernard. All right, let, 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 let's get one mic on Dr. Myself. Lee. No. This is a Dr. Lee show. Dr. Lee, let's no. go. No. This is what happens. This is an issue, Bernard, right? Say something works. If you don't know how something works, it's a problem. When I told Dr. Fauci, no, your neutralizing antibody can't cross into the lung because the lung barrier can stop water molecules. And you, Dr. Lee, you, you, your understanding you of, of immunology, immunology is basic, bro. Like, like, like yeah. your, your immunology comprehension is no, literally no. Drug at, at a high school level. He's an eye doctor, work, for Christ's sakes. If the molecule isn't there, Clearly. it can't work, Bernard. So you have to tell me your hypotheses on how the COVID vaccine works. Because you know what? Well, 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 I, I can tell you I, I can tell you this, first of all, is that, that the anti- antibodies don't equal the immune system, okay? So let's be very clear exactly. on that. And, and, and we got to talk about more that, than just, just and the And if it doesn't prevent transmission... That, Bernard, if it doesn't prevent transmission, then why did anyone, why was anyone forced to get it? Why did people lose so, their jobs because they didn't get it? If it doesn't hey, prevent listen, transmission, hey, hey, if hey, Bernard, hey, you listen, can get man. vaccinated hey, and you can get COVID oh. and pass death around, then why was it mandated for everyone? Why did people have to lose yeah, their okay. jobs? Bernard, go ahead, go ahead, Bernard. Bernard, Joseph, Joseph, you asked a question, Joseph. You asked it, Lee, Dr. Lee, you asked a question. Bernard, do you want to answer Joseph's question? Yes. Like, why was it mandated yes. if it doesn't work? And does it not work? So, so one, I was against the mandates, and I, and I thought they, they were misguided and caused a lot of harm, including a lot of people who had natural immunity who lost their jobs and, and basically had no increase in risk uh, compared to someone that was vaccinated based on the abundance of data that completely ignored by the CDC and FDA, but that, that's a separate point. And, and two, do the vaccines, vaccines work? Yes. I mean, like, b- based on all the, all the information out there, the vaccines worked 
But uh, Bernard, look at Who said, hold on, who said, said it's your show, Joseph? Imagine Joseph as a co-host or a host. Jesus Christ. Hell no. Bernard, look at the year 2020. There were no COVID antibodies. We healed. You tell me how a COVID antibody helped. Right, well, you need to get control of your room. Elon, hey, hey, yeah, you tell, tell me how, bro, how bro, they helped. Bro, 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 Dr. Lee, like, like, you, like you keep conflating. Uh, I'm not conflating anything, Bernard. With in the year 2020, how did a COVID antibody help anyone? Come on. So, 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 so the fact, the fact, you know, j- j- just real quick, right? Dr. Lee, when, when, when both of you guys are talking at the same time, it creates a bad listening experience for the people listening. Listen, Dr. Lee. I, I, I rock with some of the stuff you say, right? In order for people in the audience to do the same, my brother, you need to you need to be calm, man. You know, you might need to take a little chill pill. You remind me of Jonathan Bang right now. Just easy, easy, Doctor Lee. Okay, so let's go to Doctor Bernard, and then we'll bounce it back to Doctor Lee. Doctor Lee, please, and, and, and Mario, let him Mario, finish. You no, know, Mario, you know Elon's listening to your room, so you need to get control of. Hey, Elon is about to block me, bro. <laughs> He's listening to the room. I'm blocked by Elon. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Nelson is good at uh, Nelson. Doctor Lee's your man, so so Let's I'm putting this on you. Hey, <laughs> Nelson, the type of dude that when people are about to beef, he the one that's, that instigate the fight, yo. Like like he was that dude in high school, so he's good at what he does, and so is Grant. Because uh, and that, that's why he, they love instigating Doctor Lee and, and people like me because they know we get hype. But anyways, the what, what Dr. Dr. Lee keeps referring to with regard, hey, yo, what's up with Buddy down here looming with the thumbs down? What you thumb down it for, dog? Man, if, man, Dr. Look, Bernard, we, we need you to focus. Listen wants to say something, yeah, but you clearly. guys take forever to say anything. 100%. Mean, bro, like, 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 dog. You guys talk like you're reading books. Not me, man. Not me. I'm, I'm trying to get some points. D- Dr. Dr. Bernard, Dr. Bernard, one, one, give me one second. I need you to give me the bite, bite-sized version of your answer. Let's go. All right. The, the bite-sized version of my answer is that Dr. Lee doesn't understand the immune system, so you got to take what he says with a grain of salt. Boom. Oh, hey, my do, God. Do, doctor, but no, I want to ask you one question, and all the doctors here. Do you think the, doc, the, the, the vaccine at this point has enough questions about it that it should have warning labels on it like other yes. drugs? Yes, yes. One hundred percent. And, and, and what, what, what would those warnings do? What would those warnings say? So the you know what, Doctor Bernard, related, before you answer that question, that, before yeah, you answer that question, hey, not here. Let, let's hear down. from every single doctor on the stage. Yes, every single doctor on the stage. Doctor Catherine, get, get, get back in your pickup truck. <laughs> Great, you would be in a pickup <laughs> truck. We're rolling. But Doctor Catherine, do you agree with that? Yes or no? Yeah, this is called informed consent. When you sign a consent form, when you discuss a treatment and therapy with your doctor, you're informed of the benefits, but also the risks, because there's a risk to everything. There's a risk to vaccines, and those risks are known. And certainly by the time I even got my vaccine in December of 2020, I had really researched the risks. I asked my doctor about it. We discussed it. There was a lot of concern. I was one of the first, but I took comfort in that. And you want to know what else I did, guys? I had checked to see, uh, because the Quest director at lab 
actually ran my antibodies and I could see that two weeks after I got vaccinated, I had antibodies to the spike okay. protein. But, but and that, that was that, very question, reassuring to the me. The question so, is, no, on TV, on TV, okay. when they advertise the vaccine, when they advertise the vaccine on Instagram and Facebook all day long, by the way, okay, go get your vaccine, get your kids uh, uh, vaccinated. That's where the warning should be, Catherine. And there is no warning in their ads about the side effects or potential errors or problems or complications with the vaccine. That's <laughs> fair. That should be on the commercials because I have yeah. to look at all those other commercial uh, exactly. disclaimers for every other drug. That's, exactly. that's a fair point. Thank you, Catherine. I knew you'd be honest and fair. Let me bounce this to Dr. Own, Danish. Dr. Bernard, Dr. Bernard, I need one mic. I need one mic in the bill. Dr. Bernard, you've been on a mic for a long time. I'm trying to get the input from everybody else on the stage, right? I mean, Dr. Bernard, this is why I call you Neverland Airways. You never land. You understand? Yeah. Dr. Danish. Dr. Danish, let's talk about it, my brother. Same question. Let's go. Informed consent. I agree completely. I mean, it's a very simple question uh, that has a very simple answer. If, you know, for example, right now, if I am sitting in front of a patient who is above 65 years old that is uh, immunocompromised, that's how I think, that's how doctors actually think about these situations is a clinical vignette where you're talking to an actual patient, right? If it is a 65-year-old immunocompromised patient sitting in front of me, talking to me about the bivalent vaccine, I would tell them that, hey, there is currently there is signal that there is a potential for an increased risk of stroke, but the CDC still recommends that, you know, that we don't change practice. I'll tell you, I'm looking at your risk for stroke and based on that, yes, no, maybe, and we'll have a discussion about it, but you have to inform patients of the risk. I agree completely. And what Dr. else do Lisa. we tell them, Dr. Donish? We talk about their blood pressure. We talk about their weight. We talk about exactly. their diet. We talk about their movement. We talk about their mindset, their sleep, their relationships with their family. We do everything we can to tell you it's not just one thing. It's all the things you do to protect yourself. Appreciate you, Dr. Catherine. Let's go to Dr. Lisa. Dr. Lisa, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that informed consent is one of the most important sort of aspects before you do any kind of treatment for a patient. And we do this with surgical procedures. We do this when we talk to them about, about pharmaceutical interventions and things like that. So I think that it's important. Um, I also think, though, uh, 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 that... We're not talking about informed consent. We're talking about black box advertising on... So black box advertising. Black box. Well, whatever, whatever black box, you know. Can I answer? Black, yeah, but I mean, box. you guys keep going to, to to consent because you guys all know that you're forced to do consent. You have to do that. No, no, no. We, we, I'm not talking think, about the doctors. Do I'm think... talking about when when pharma advertises the vaccine. When black, when bo black box, black box warnings, warnings. require yeah. require actual evidence of harm box warnings require that the and pharmaceutical companies are in are looking into the signal of myocarditis and they're looking into the signal my, my question uh, was we're, do we're, the we're, doctors we're, in the room excuse me my question mm -hmm. was simple do the doctors in the room and you're a doctor do you think that there should be warnings on the vaccine at this time 
I think no. that not until not until I think that that, that there should be. Why don't you explain how it works? Can I say two things? Why don't you explain how it I what can I get a word in? There, Guys, there, let's two, get one there, mic on Dr. Lisa, please. Thank you. Dr. Lisa, let's talk about it. There yes, there there are two important things. The first important thing is informed when you are doing an intervention on a patient, and we do things off-label as physicians all of the time, right? Because we, especially in things like compassionate care, when you have a cancer patient that's dying or when you have a COVID patient that's dying, you all are advocating that we do whatever we can to try to save that person. And that person deserves deserves uh, informed consent. So, for in the question of like ivermectin, for example, I don't necessarily think that ivermectin is going to do much, but I don't think it's going to do harm. That That's my perspective on ivermectin. And using it off label, I don't think it's going to hurt a patient. Right. So so I, I don't particularly Dr. have I have time to talk. Why don't you explain how? The no, 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 no. So, so, one, one, so one second, so, Dr. Lisa, let me address Dr. Lee real quick. Dr. Lee, my brother. Listen, we let's you, just let's just listen to listen to me real quick, right? This is Nelson, right? One right. second. I'll be right night. Doc, 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 Dr. Lee, you need to check that blood pressure of yours, man. You need to check that blood pressure. I'm telling this you, this one works. You might need to go to Dr. Bernard's office down in Florida, my brother. I'm telling you. But hey, listen. can we listen to the doctor that was speaking, Nelson? I, I'm sick of hearing that, you. Trying that, to that's what I'm trying to tell Dr. Lee, less. man. So, Dr. Lee, I beg of you, my brother. Please let Dr. Lisa rock out. Hey, just muting. Just grand, grand. You move. You you're trying to turn this into into Russia. We're in America. <laughs> Dr. He's Lee, an eye, he's an eye doctor for Christ's sake. He's an eye doctor with information. Meet your mic, John. Oh, okay. Uh, tell me how it works. Dr. Lisa, please jump in. I apologize. Please jump so, in. So my point, my point is, is that we use things off label all of the time to treat patients when we're learning about the particular patient and a particular disease process. And as a toxic, as a medical toxicologist, th- th- there are not double blind randomized control trials to figure out how to treat cyanide poisoning, for example. So we've actually figured out with basic physiology that you could give a vitamin to turn cyanide poisoning into vitamin B12. So so you're not going to do the randomized double-blind controlled studies all of the time. In this case, with the vaccines, there have been randomized double-blind controlled studies and there is ongoing, ongoing studies to look at. It's called post-marketing surveillance to 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 try to pick up signals that of of potential harm. So, if there is, if I, I think patients deserve the information and they deserve to have informed consent, but black box warning, if you don't have the demonstration that there is actual harm, if you don't know that information saying that there's going to be harm, um, it, 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 it's, it's actually not helpful. What it does is it, it, it winds up creating an atmosphere of fear that, that, uh, is this makes- saying anything? Oh my God. Shit. All right, it, dude. You know, this, so, this, 
Joseph, can you tell me what, what is required for a what's your, what's your, so, yeah, so, so I was, I was going to ask that same question. Exactly. I was going to ask that exact question. That exact question, Dr. Lee, not Please anything that. else. Just that point. Please. The black Please. box warning. What is required for it? No, Mario. Mario, you don't get it. Nelson, you don't get it. Grant, shut the fuck up. Lisa. You I know. Bro, you're about to get kicked out. You know, you know, yeah. Grant and Nelson are cause. You, you, you're, you're on the. <laughs> you think I care? Bro, you, you, man, you can't. Bro, you can't. You know, you've done nothing but come into spaces and complain. I'm not being heard. I'm not being heard. I'm not being heard. Well, I've invited you four times to this space, and then you come in and say to one of the co-hosts to shut the fuck up, and then you're like, I'm not being heard. Who's gonna listen to you when you tell everyone to shut the fuck up, bro? I gave you the mic to answer a question, and then you sit there and insult the co-host. Because she's droning on and on, and we wouldn't be. Bro, here. just answer the question, bro. Please, if you want to ask, if you want to educate the audience, if that's what you care about—to actually educate the audience, not entertain okay, people, Mario? have people follow you. If More you care about the audience actually learning something, answer the damn question. I love you Mario, on stage. I've always invited. The question is, Mario. Mario. Ask, you don't yeah, know go what ahead. the question is. I know what the question is. Okay. Let me ask Lisa the question. Let us go back and forth very politely, and I'll perfect. Ask All right, do that, bro. Do, go ahead. To the bottom of this, okay? All right, go ahead. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. Lisa, do you know? Do you believe in the vaccine? I do. Tell me how it works. It works. What is the hypothesis behind the COVID vaccine? Can, you asked me how it works, and I started talking, and then you just interrupted. I right, go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, you're right. Go ahead. The COVID vaccine works by introducing. A little piece of mRNA into your muscle cells in your shoulder. And what those do is they take the ribosome, which you can think of as an, think of, well, let me put it this way. Think of mRNA as a, wait, stop, stop, stop. Can I, can I tell you how it works or no? You want, does, yeah, does go ahead, Lisa, go, go, yeah, please do. So, so think of mRNA as a chef. Right. And what it does is it takes a recipe for a protein and takes it and puts that recipe into your ribosome, which is like an oven. And it, it, and, and, and it bakes a protein. Right. And when, once that protein is made, it puts it on this on the member on the cell membrane and your immune system goes, oh, that's really interesting. This is. A foreign protein. And when it, the immune system recognizes it as a foreign protein, it will start looking for other places that that foreign protein might be. So if you have um, inhaled uh, COVID or any other respiratory virus um, and your immune system gets primed because, because the antigen-presenting cells have done the same thing as the, the vaccine has done, they they have recognized this as foreign. They've broken down the protein. They've taken parts of it and put, in the, put it on the cell me membrane and introduced it to your immune system. And your immune system says, oh, my goodness, this is foreign and this is going to hurt my host. And so I've got to I've got to make sure that I am reacting to this. And, and so that is how the mRNA vaccine works. It's, it's, it's like it, it introduces a part of a virus rather than the whole virus. And when it introduces the part of the virus, the immune system, next time it sees it, you might test positive. You might find 
COVID in in your nose and on, on, on the mucous membranes. But your immune system is is primed to fight that virus before it can take over. And so I, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for general for the general audience to understand. And I'm, I hope it doesn't sound um, too high level. Um, I've got a whole thread on I, that's much more detailed that I'm happy to share with it with the, with the audience. But the point of any vaccine is to make sure that your um, adaptive immune system. So Lisa, get all that. The ad- adaptive immune system. Mario, no. Very yeah, 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 yeah. Lisa, I'll let, you, I'll let you wrap up the explanation. I think you've done a great job. I'll let you wrap up the explanation, and then Dr. Lee, you can continue with the discussion uh, back and forth. So go ahead, Dr. Lisa, finish it. Uh, Dr. The, Dunn. The, 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 the importance is that the adaptive immune system can respond before a virus can override the, 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 the first-line defense of your innate immune system. Um, and and I, I understand that that may be kind of complicated and I will put a high level, basic I will put a high level, high level thread. Yeah, bro, but we I want, we want basic immunology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so Dr. Lee, uh, Lisa did a great job answering it, at least in my opinion, I think you'll disagree. So what's, you've asked a question, um, I'll let you continue the, the discussion back and forth. So let's see where, where it goes. So Lisa, you think that there was some training that occurred. Do you think that the basis of that training was that neutralizing antibody that's supposed to supposedly get into the lung and block the virus before the virus can infect the lung cell? Is that what you're saying? It's a combination of neutralizing antibodies and T cells and B cell memories and, and things like it, oh. it, It's much more complex. Oh, so, it's much so more the- complex than the blood lung barrier. It's much more complex than that. But the training, whatever this amazing training that you gave the body, you acknowledge that it needs to be retrained every eight months. Is that correct? That's not what I said. No, that's not. I, I'm just asking because you know you guys want boosters every eight months. I have so. said nothing about boosters. Dr. Lee, can I ask you a question? And, and I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm actually gonna. I'm actually gonna agree with Paul Offit on boosters. Mario, could I, could well, I have a turn at some point here? I. I just, I just want to ask Dr. Lee one question. Dr. Lee, uh, do you think that you're going to win a Nobel Peace Prize uh, for uh, your work that you've done? No, and I don't care about it, Jonathan. No, but you said that's what you said. You you believe you're going to win one, correct? I just want to make sure. No, I didn't say that. My mentor said that. Your, your mentor told you that you're going to win a Nobel Peace Prize for the work but, that you've done. Jonathan, you know what? Mario Nelson Grant, you guys aren't – I don't think you're really interested in truth. I think what you're really interested in no, actually, we we want we want both sides. We want to have a back and forth. And just because I you said something, I, see, and you're upset. So if we're not interested in the truth, I just spoke about what you well, you spoke about. I know what priest price. That's the only thing I spoke about. And now, now you think I'm being ridiculing you. So if it sounds ridiculous coming from me, imagine how ridiculous it sounded coming from you. Yeah, but yeah, Dr. Lee, please, I just want to make all Joseph, please do not. The problem is here, Joseph. Please don't throw me in the batch with this Nelson and this Jonathan character that came off. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, these clowns, <laughs> these clowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grant, you're you're a wild ass. I swear to God, bro. But Joseph, here's the deal. I disagree with everything Jonathan Bing stands for. But you don't see me getting off my mic, STFU, Jonathan. Da, da. I'm not doing any of that. I don't need to do that. You know, if he does that, it makes him look stupid, which is great for my arguments, right? So. 
Dr. Lee, all we're saying is, regardless of whether you disagree with any of the other doctors, just have the respect for them and have a conversation. You know, that, that that's that's all we're saying, right? It's a civil space. Let's keep it civil and let's talk about it. I got a right? ton of respect for you, Dr. Lee. I got a ton of respect for you. In fact, what's the difference between far, far-sighted and nearsightedness? I, that, maybe you can help me with that. What does that mean? What's the, can you tell me the difference that? <laughs> oh my god Let, let's talk about it but um just real quick i want to go to dr bernard right so dr bernard you've been in a few spaces right now with dr lee right do you believe he has any idea whatsoever of how the immune system operates or how the lung or the heart operates no, I mean clearly, this dude. Uh, when he when you ask him to elaborate on the immune response, he just can't get past the spike protein. I mean, this, this dude doesn't understand the immune system. He just fixated on one kind of mechanism, and he's just going to town on that, ignoring everything else. I mean, you you can't uh, make a conclusion without doing a comprehensive analysis, and he just doesn't seem to possess the ability to do that. Wow, very interesting. But um, let's keep the conversation rocking and rolling. Aaron, please jump in. Let's talk about it. Yeah, th- thank you. So a lot of the conversation has circled around theories um, about how the immune system may be working in the case of this vaccine. But I think what most ordinary people care about is clinical outcomes. So you can measure, for example, neutralizing antibody levels after you get a vaccine. Um and you can theorize that that's going to correlate with protection from this particular virus. But what you really have to do is you have to do a comparison uh, between people who get vaccinated and people who don't in terms of clinical outcomes that are meaningful. Things like, do you get infected? Uh, can you transmit the virus? Do you get sick enough that you're hospitalized or do you die if you get COVID? And so if you look at that data, data and you look at efficacy. Initially, the clinical trials did not measure whether these prevented deaths. They were not large enough to do that. In fact, more people died in the placebo arm than in the vaccine arm in the phase three FDA clinical trials, the only double-blind randomized control trial of this vaccine that we're ever going to have. Um, Now, that was not statistically significant. So it, it doesn't mean that you're at a higher risk of death Based on that data alone, if you get the vaccine, it's just uh, it's it's just interesting to note that the clinical trial didn't show that the vaccines saved lives. It did seem to suggest that it reduced the chances of more severe disease, and that's why it was approved. And initially, in the first couple of months of the vaccine rollout, it appeared to do that. So uh, even though there was problems with the gathering of data, on whether you were vaccinated or not. For, for example, at my hospital, UC Irvine, uh, if if you were in an unknown category, you were considered to be unvaccinated. Um, and uh, so that created difficulties with the data. But it seemed that more unvaccinated people were being hospitalized than vaccinated people for the first few months after the vaccine rolled out. And, and hence, you got this rhetoric about the pandemic of the vaccinated. But that started to shift with new variants, starting with the Delta variant, uh, and even more so with the Omicron variant, such that at this point, it seems that people who have been vaccinated and unless they have been very, very recently boosted, um, if it's been 
you know, a few months since their last booster shot, those folks are disproportionately represented among those who are hospitalized, leading to some people to worry about negative vaccine efficacy. There was another study recently, two out of the Cleveland Clinic, not looking at this issue, but just found incidentally that the more doses you had, the more likely you were to get infected with COVID. Didn't look at hospitalization, but looked at infection. So so that was an issue. And, and the efficacy with each shot tends to diminish in terms of how long it lasts. And so one of the one of the worries, I think, in terms of efficacy is that we've gotten on this hamster wheel where, um, you know, the first shot efficacy stayed above 50 percent for about six months and then it dropped below 50 percent, which was the threshold for FDA approval. So then we we rolled out the, the third shot that were the first booster um, and efficacy for that seemed to last uh, three or four months. And then with the fourth shot, efficacy seemed to last about eight weeks. Hey, Doctor, and so can each... I ask you a question real quick on this, if you don't mind? Yeah. Do, you, do you believe that the consensus among doctors, especially the ones that you work with, have actually, uh, have they changed their opinions a little bit on, you know, because you're talking about efficacy and how things have changed a little bit. Do, uh, do you believe that, that there's been a shift among the, uh, the medical community? I, I see less enthusiasm. I see less, less enthusiasm. I see a lot more doctors today talking about informed consent and talking about individualized care. I'm edified to hear that among this group because initially I didn't see that. Initially I saw um, rather distressingly a lot of pressure from doctors and nurses on patients to get vaccinated. I think that's... But initially, but I think initially, but I think, wouldn't you say initially we didn't have enough data. Initially we had the lockdowns we were dealing with. Initially, we, you know, the pandemic was being compared, you know, accurately or inaccurately. It's a different discussion, but to a world war. Like, it, it, you know, there's a lot of fear in the world. So would it be a, a fair comparison between today and tomorrow, today and tomorrow, between today and, and in the midst of the pandemic? Well, Mario, I've talked about this before, and I, I agree there was a lot of fear early on in the mass vaccination campaign, but there shouldn't have been, because at that point, we had a year-long experience with the virus that made the two most basic facts about COVID abundantly clear. Number one, the infection fatality rate was 0.2% or less. And number two, the vast majority of the people who died were over the age of 70, and that with people under 50, your chances of death uh, were about the same as your t- chance of dying f- from influenza. So, you know, for people Jesus. under the age of 50, I, I see no, I, I saw no reason initially with a mass vaccination campaign to pressure people under the age of 50 and certainly not, um, not to mandate it. In do you mind, do, do, I'm going to add another question. And Aaron, we've, you, you know, been, we've been together on the panel many times before. Another yeah. question. Do you have any data? And, and if you don't, it'll be, if any other panelist has that data, countries that have had, uh, you know, lockdowns and, and, and uh, uh, vaccinations, mandated uh, masks and, and vaccinations being you know, heavily promoted with lockdowns yeah. and everything, you know, looking at countries like some mm-hmm. Western, like London, for example, and then other countries or other states that were a lot more lax. What was the result in terms of, of, uh, deaths and and um and that's just to to, to fatalities for now it's become harder and harder to defend lockdowns and school closures you'll find a a lot less enthusiasm for lockdowns in the public health community today and the the typical comparison um and you know it's hard to compare one country to the next because there's lots of different cultural and 
healthcare related factors that can differ from one country to the next. But Sweden was virtually the only country uh, in Europe that did not lock down and did not engage in school closures. And if you do age adjusted mortality, uh, their age adjusted mortality was uh, remarkably good compared to most European countries. It wasn't the best, uh, but I think it was in the top quarter quartile or the top third compared to countries that locked down very heavily. So, I mean, lockdowns appeared not to stop the spread of this virus. There was an outpost on Antarctica that, that caught COVID, even though they had no contact, um, you know, with the mainland. This is just an extremely contagious respiratory virus, particularly by the time you got to Omicron, extraordinarily well, contagious. Well, Aaron, I want to chime in real quick. I mean, the, the lockdowns as a policy was, 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 first of all, was done stupidly. I mean, it was a reactionary measure. It was a reactionary measure, and and the, the entire purpose, the stated purpose of the lockdowns, was to was to basically uh, decrease the the peak and, and delay the or delay the peak, right? And so that was their stated purpose. And even based on their stated purpose, uh, what they did was actually super stupid. Because what's your intended uh, purpose of delaying the peak if you don't have a plan when when you remove the lockdowns? And so there was there was no nothing put in yeah. place to solve that issue like that. It wasn't like vaccines or some some silver bullet that that was on the other end. They just arbitrarily decided to end the lockdown. So if you think about it, policy, it, it was yeah. it was purely damaging without any real benefit. Uh, so, so Bernard, Bernard Aaron, I, I'm going to ask another question from the audience. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to hog the mic for too long. Yeah. Just that's, that's a question I've had many times in, in the comments in previous spaces. Never got the chance to ask it. For anyone that has the vaccine, because Aaron, I know you've got your concerns with the vaccine. For anyone yeah. that has the vaccine right now, what would be your advice and should they be concerned? And then who, for anyone that has one or two boosters – what would be your advice and should they be concerned? And it would be good if it's okay with Nelson and Grant, like if we get that same answer quickly, that just to that particular question from other doctors, because I've never had the chance to ask that question. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, be cautious, very, very cautious with, with addition, additional vaccines. If you've had, you know, the initial two-dose regimen, you've had a third dose, you've had a fourth dose, and you're still being advised to get another one, I think you have to ask questions about efficacy, but I do want to say a quick word, Mark. But should you before before and just to ask, just to add on to it? Uh, but if they already have it, for example, what would yes. you say? Like, is there a certain period of time you should be concerned, and then once thirty days or sixty days pass, then you're good? Um, I, I wish I could say that you're going to be in the clear after thirty or sixty days, but but the fact is, we don't have good long term data. So the real answer to that question is. We don't know. And this goes to my safety concerns, because the three month trial could only pick up so many potential safety issues. Um, you know, you have you have a few, you know, what, what was it, 30,000 people in the initial trial, which sounds like a lot. But when you give this to billions of people, um, that's a pretty small number to pick up uh, to pick up subtle safety signals uh, that could become more significant when you're talking about that many doses. And there was post-marketing surveillance. And in fact, the FDA didn't want to release uh, that data. I had to file a FOIA request to the FDA with a group of other doctors and scientists to get the clinical trials data on which the Pfizer approval was based. And the FDA tried to slow walk it. They said, we'd give you 500 pages a month, uh, which would have taken 75 years to get the clinical trials data that they reviewed in only 108 days. Uh, we had a good judge who said, no, you've got 
eight months to do it. And I think we've got one month left where I think next month we're going to get the last tranche of, of Pfizer. This is specifically on the Pfizer vaccine. We don't have the data on the Moderna vaccine. Um, but this was this was the data submitted to the FDA for for authorization of that vaccine. One of the documents that's already been released from that was that the first 90 days after uh, the after the mass vaccination campaign began, what were the safety issues that were reported to the company? And what was striking to me about that document is that there were many organ systems involved and, and granted, not all of those things have been verified. Um, this was, you know, a lot of the reporting is part of what's called a passive reporting system, which re- requires additional investigation to confirm that, yes, this was actually due to the vaccine and not just a temporal correlation. But be that as it may, myocarditis was only one of the signals that showed up. There was there was concern about recurrence of blood cancers and people, you know, new onset leukemia and lymphoma and uh, recurrence of leukemia and lymphoma people uh, from people who have been in remission for years. And that that can suggest immune system dysregulation. Uh, I, I talked to the director of the Lymphoma Center at the City of Hope, a major, major cancer center here in Southern California. And he saw that signal very, very early on. He actually reached out to me because he was concerned about that. So he's done some research on that. He published a piece um, last year. I think it was in the Washington Post or the Washington Times about that issue. Uh, so, you know, autoimmune issues, uh, potential. And again, I don't want to be alarmist here. I certainly don't want to. Uh, there's lots of people in our audience who got the vaccine. I'm not suggesting you're going to get cancer because of the vaccine. What I'm saying is there's a lot of unknowns. Um, and th- the fact that we've already seen what I would consider red flags popping up, um, you know, the, the cardiac stuff is probably the most obvious and most concerning. But there are other issues, too, that are going to require long term follow up. And, you know, if you ask for the package insert on these vaccines, they'll give you a blank piece of paper because we don't we don't you don't have the information that would usually be given to you by the pharmacist when you get a new prescription for these vaccines, because the emergency use authorization doesn't require that. So, you know, informed consent is really compromised by this fact. And it's I think it's very important for us to be able to say and doctors are not good at this to be able to say we don't know. Um, I, I think in all honesty, I would say there's some safety signals that I'm really concerned about. I, you know, I, I think more than a black box warning, I think halting the use of these vaccines, given their short term efficacy, um, is probably warranted unless you're in the highest risk category over the age of 70 or 75. So I'll go. I'll go. So Aaron, if you don't mind, I'll go to Lisa for this. Lisa, do you mind asking that same question that I asked earlier from the from the audience? Um Hold on, let me in terms of, in terms, can you repeat the question? Like, yeah, yeah. So, so for anyone, for anyone that has the vaccine, no, 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 ignore the black box. So, for anyone that has the vaccine um, and has boosters, if when, so should they be concerned? How concerned should they be? What do you recommend? And is there a certain time frame? So, let's say someone has three boosters. Just using a random example, should they be concerned after the latest, latest booster? Should they be concerned for a thirty-day, sixty-day period? I know we don't have enough data, but from the data that we have and from the knowledge that you have, should there be a concern? How much concern and for how long? So, the, and then I see. I, sorry, I see Spice and, and New York. Um, uh, you've got. You can answer the question next, and then Megan, because I know you haven't spoken yet. So I, I think that the risk of a. a an adverse outcome is very low. 
So what I'm trying to do is tell people who've had the vaccine and who've had boosters that I don't think that they're at high risk of a stroke. I don't think that they're at high risk of myocarditis. I think that these are these are these are signals that we are that 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 the the that the CDC and people are following to try to assess whether or not um, there is uh, there's an increased risk of these things. I think there's a signal, and I think that they are actually that they are paying attention to that signal and they're trying to follow it. Um, and they will make rec- recommendations based on what they find on in, in hard evidence. Um, so I, I don't think you need to be scared. I don't think you need to be scared if you've been vaccinated. I also don't think you need to be scared if you have questions about the vaccine. Um, uh, I, I don't know how well that answers that question. I don't think there needs to be a black box at this moment because I don't think we have enough data to suggest that there's that there there is. So you're saying, so Lisa, what you're saying, just without the black box, so what you're saying to this particular question, and I'm sorry to hog the mic a bit too much this time, yeah. but like I just really want to get a few, maybe two more opinions on this. So what you're saying is that you should not even be concerned at all, even if you have multiple boosters. Uh, okay, Spice NYC, I thought you'd disagree with this. Uh, so I, I thought you're gonna, sorry, I thought you're gonna agree with this, but you seem to disagree. No, I'm so like gonna a, agree with it. First of all, I just want to say hello, greet everyone, Mario Nelson. Hey, hey. Thank you so much. So what would be what would your take on this particular question? Thank you for the space. Um, I, I am pro-vax. I align oh, that's with... What I, that's, that's what I yeah. thought, but then you disagreed with Lisa. It's weird. Because I'm going to tell you why. Tell me, tell me. I'm Let's talk gonna... about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. I'm going to steal Let's the... talk Let's about talk... it. Let's <laughs> talk about it. You can't really box me, you know. I, I, I'm a little bit individualized in my practice. So I just want to say I align with Jonathan. I'm pro-vax. Oh, I'm... hell no. I, I know, Nelson. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you. Um, I align with Dr. Rogers. Um, I am a nurse practitioner. Uh, I've been a nurse since 2004. I've been practicing medicine since 2016. I lost my job in the pandemic. I started doing pandemic work. I've mass vaccinated thousands. I was part of that project. And I know I feel my phone shaking the energy through the phone with everyone because I know I know I'm the minority in here. Um, I was committed to the project. Today, today, actually, today's an exception. We have more pro-vax people than usual. So you don't, yes. don't feel too nervous. OK, OK. Um, I've mass vaccinated thousands, uh, monkeypox. COVID. Okay. So the, the audience, okay, enough, enough. The audience is gonna, the audience is gonna give you a lot of hate messages. So, so what's I your? Know, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm saving you. I'm saving you. So, so what's your take on? So, so do my, you think they should? People that have the booster should be concerned, first, despite what Lisa said. Mary, you're so fast. Okay. So in my practice, I try to practice ethically, ethically. Okay, and I make sure that every patient gets the vaccine information sheet. And I go over the vaccine and the side effects. I go over possibility of myocarditis. I go over the blood clots. I go over, I have to observe you because a very small percent are allergic. I need to make sure I, we don't have to intervene. That is my ethical practice. I cannot turn a blind eye to side effects. Every drug has side effects. As a clinician and as a provider, you have to educate your patients. And I will tell you, I've, I've had patients walk out 
and say, I need to think about this. I give them the Pfizer and I give them and the Moderna. Okay, I did my due diligence. That's, I cannot put my fears or, you know, my, and anything on that. That has to be, I could show you the facts. I could show you what the seat, I worked alongside with the Department of Health. I worked alongside with the DOH. I worked alongside with um, Health and Hospitals and the Migrant Project. Like, I, you know, I go by the protocol. Do you mind? Do you mind if I? Do you mind if I go to Megan's spies just to balance it out? Go ahead, Grant. Mario, can, can, can I just I'm, ask I'm a question real quick? I'm just speak on masks, though. So if you want to finish up with can vaccinations, I, yeah, can I respond as another? Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Well, I, I, I'd like to ask her. Okay, I, I'm 64 years old. What would you tell me? Well, I need to know your medical history. Okay, uh, I don't really have any. Good. You're perfectly healthy. Yeah. Should I take the vaccine? You can go on your way now. <laughs> what, what does that um, mean? No, it means that I would I would assess you. Um, again, I'm pro-vax. I would say here is here is the vaccine. Um, you know the the benefits outweigh the risks. Uh huh. I would I would go into so what, that. What are the risks? What are the risks for me? So you know you have the risks for you is like most people that are healthy. Um, you know, you can get, there is a, a percentage of getting myocarditis and then I would educate you on the signs and yeah, symptoms. What, 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 what percentage is the myo? Uh, I don't have that data in front of me, but you okay. know, it's, it's, it's all over the place. What about the blood clots? I'm hearing about blood clots. Yeah. I would say if you're concerned, you could always take an aspirin. Um, you know, you could always follow well, up. Well, I am concerned. That's why we're having this conversation. I thought you were going to tell me about I hear that you're pro-vaccine, but yeah. what are the concerns I should have? I think you should focus more on the benefits. No, I'm not. I'm not interested in the benefits right now. Well, then, then why, get, in... why get vaccinated if you're so not? You're, you're not educating me at all. You're just arguing with me. Well, if you're not edu listen, listen. If you're not interested in in the benefit of a vaccine, then why? Yeah. Why, why don't you guys stand up to Big Pharma the way you're standing up to me right now? <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> Why don't you guys stand up to this fucking Listen, I that has been delivered on TV for fucking three years about masks, six feet, these arbitraries, these complete made-up arbitraries that are so ridiculous. To plexiglass. Well, yeah, but you guys, I know you didn't have anything to do with it, but you know what? what? I don't clean your hands. Excuse me. I believe the military is vaccinated. There okay. Yeah, they they removed that mandate, by the, the way. World. That mandate's over. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're out of here you now, huh? See, that's, that's how much backbone you guys have. It's unbelievable. He muted me. He, he, you know, Spice. And, and, and she didn't educate spice, me. Got she, didn't tell me, she didn't tell me what the risks were. She started ramming this down my throat. Like, you need to take it. Look at the benefits, not the risk. I'm like, It got what? us out of a pandemic. Everyone knows it got us out of the pandemic. It got no, us out of the pandemic. No, we don't know Omicron that. Omicron got us out of the pandemic. Yeah, Omicron it did get us out of the vaccine. pandemic. Omicron was the vaccine that we were all waiting for. By the way, 90% of Americans you, now have infection-induced... 90% of Americans now have infection-induced immunity, which very much clouds the picture now when we're doing comparisons between Thank vaccinated you. and Thank unvaccinated you. individuals because uh, you know natural immunity was ignored from the beginning of the pandemic um and you know i basically sacrificed my academic career on on the principle of defending 
natural immunity uh, when I came here, bro. University of California's vaccine mandate in in federal court. Uh, but of course, vaccine immunity has always tried to mimic to to the extent possible uh, the immunity you get from an infection, albeit without making you sick. Uh, so the idea that we should have ignored that from the beginning was was pretty insane. But now we we know that vaccine immunity has decreased very quickly with time and with new variants. Natural immunity has diminished somewhat. If you had the original Wuhan strain or the Delta strain, uh, your immunity against Omicron or a later strain is not 100 percent, but it's still pretty it's still pretty close. It's still much better uh, than the immunity that you get from a vaccine in terms of longevity and breadth. And I've explained on these uh, on these spaces below with my uh, or before with my uh, analogy of a shotgun approach versus a sort of one shot rifle approach. Uh, and, why and, and, and also, is, Aaron, is you, more you broad. The fact, Aaron, you, you also got to add the fact that how current policy seems to still ignore that. Like they're actively That's ignoring right. it, even yeah, when they're making these, these, these uh, uh, policy uh, proposals and recommendations that go beyond the actual science. I mean, once you understand that the vast majority of our population has some form of immunity, natural or vaccine, the fact that they're still recommending these boosters while completely ignoring that is a problem. That's right. So I'll, I'll, I want to provide a counterpoint if first, that's possible, Mario. Yeah, yeah. Doc, what, what we'll do is, yeah, so Aaron, Dr. Nish, the discussion is going well. So what I'm going to do is we're going to, because it's already the sun, sun is up here. Uh, Nelson's going to continue the discussion on his space with, I'm not sure if Grant will join him as well. Um, so Nelson's going to kick it to start a space right now, just for the audience. You can see Nelson as a co-host. Click on his profile. First, what I want you to do is actually comment. What do you think? And I mean, Nelson and, and Grant was, 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 uh, you know, was humble to jump in as well. We did a space together to test it out because they do great spaces as well on an almost daily basis. Uh, let me know in the comments what you think of the space of, of me, Nelson, and Grant doing it together more often. Otherwise, Nelson will go now start a space. So comment your thoughts on the space. Go to Nelson and join his space because the discussion is going to continue there because uh, I need to, to have breakfast and go to bed. So Nelson, you want to start a space so people can slowly shift there? And Megan, I know you want to speak. You can go get to Nelson's space as well and continue speaking there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for bringing me Instead of doing it now, I, I need three minutes is all I need. Yeah, so go ahead. Be, yeah, while, while, while you're speaking, the audience can slowly shift to Nelson's space so the discussion continues there. Uh, okay, so, so go ahead, I have Megan. to go. I'm so sorry. I have to go. No, no. Ah, Lisa. All right, Lisa, well, well, a pleasure to have you, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining you, Bernard. You. Uh, everyone else, if you're not able to join Spice, first time you're on the panel. If you're not able no, to pleasure. join Nelson's one, so I appreciate you being here. Uh, but, yeah, so, so everyone can go to Nelson's space uh, while, Megan, you give us your thoughts. Um, I can I can hop over there if you'd prefer. Yeah, um, do that. You can you can jump. Actually, go there. Go there. So let's let's have everyone go to Doctor. To... Make sure you go over there, Aaron, because you got some great intel there. Okay, so we'll is do this? Um, I don't know who I'm switching to. Nelson. Um... Nelson. Yeah. So I'll I'll um what I'll do is I'll DM you the link okay. and you could join it. Um, and everyone else in the space, I really appreciate you being here. So go to, I'm going to keep this one open so you can gradually go to Nelson's space. I see Grant is jumping in there as well. Aaron, they're going to bring you up as a speaker. I think Grant, Grant is a fan, a fan of yours. Um, but yeah, Nick, it was, a, it was a good space, Nick. I enjoyed this one. We did a crypto one earlier and now this, uh, vaccine discussion. So. We had more pro-vax people than usual in this one. It was interesting. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it was a little bit of a different structure too. So that was, uh, that was an interesting experiment. Yeah, what do you think? Did it did the experiment work? Us three together? Yeah, yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, we'll say that. 
<laughs> you see, what the fuck was that answer? <laughs> Don't ask me questions publicly. Ah, oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, I'm just messaging people to join the space. Let me see if people have already dropped out of this one. Yeah, I would, I would Shit, say people are not. Why is everyone? Hold on, I like this. Why are you guys still here? I said, God, in Elsa's face. <laughs> Why are you still listening like to me? You. We like I know, you. <laughs> I know nothing about vaccines. I know nothing. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything. I don't even have. I don't even have an opinion because I have to always be unbiased. I can't even have no opinion. So <laughs> you can't like me when I have zero opinions about anything. Nick, but, but Nick has more serious, opinions than I do. Yeah, yeah, but but in all serious, yes, I do think it went well, and I think that you know every once in a while it's probably cool to do something like this. So <laughs> Nick, you can tell me, you can tell me privately, bro. Like you can, you, you you're talking like a politician, <laughs> man. You're talking like a politician. <laughs> but yeah, like for the for the audience, I, I, like I, we try to keep them as balanced as possible. I hope you enjoyed it because I see some of you are still here. I'm gonna end the space in like thirty seconds, uh, but do join Nelson's one. I'm going to pin it, and I'm actually going to pin it above, so you can, everyone can see it, everyone can see it in, uh, in their thing. Let me go, Nelson. Where is Nelson? There he is. All right, so I'm going to retweet his space, and I'm going to pin it above, so you can all see it and join it. Nelson's a great call. He's a really, really cool guy. Um, so I think you'll all enjoy. Why are you guys requesting to speak? Um, yeah, we're gonna end the space, so I'm not gonna bring people up. up. It's seven. <laughs> we're gonna, bro. Go. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, because I, I, it's seven. Yeah, can we? We're ending the space. So I'm giving you like the final word before we move everyone to Nelson's space, which I've pinned above. Oh well. Thanks for being here. And thanks for having me. This is a great conversation, and um, it's just you know I've been in this space for about 17 years. My son had a vaccine injury um, in the child with a as a as a you know um, as an infant, and it's just been a long journey. I think that it's time to come clean. We need to, you know, have informed consent. Um, we need to know what's going on. So I appreciate these conversations and no, appreciate, appreciate being appreciate. here. I'd love you. I'd love you. I'm going to send you my WhatsApp so you can DM me whenever you want to join a space. I could bring you up. Um, haven't had the pleasure of, of, of having you on the space for a long time. So we'll be good to have you in a future space. Otherwise, yeah, there's a, Nelson started a space now. He was co-hosting the space with me. So would, would love you and Nick and Manda and Chrissy and everyone else to join that space. Thank you for, for, for giving us the time. Hope you got value. And uh, enjoy uh, Nelson and, and Grant Space, everyone. I'm going to end this one in 10, 9, 8. Let me, let me, okay, if I make a co-host, you can't Follow end it. Follow Mario for the Fauci files. It's coming, guys. I don't know when. Uh, hopefully, imagine it drops, imagine it drops now. That would suck. <laughs> that would suck. Like, I just you end my know. space and then Fauci files drops. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. I'll right, just give it time. Is anyone still here? Let me see if anyone's still here. Let me see. Yeah, there's fucking 4,300 people here. All right, bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>